Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to episode three of Beyond the Negotiation on Believe Podcast Network. I'm Sam Tiger, and I'm joined with my co-host, Higgins Success. We will have that poll. It's coming probably week six. This week is special. It is our first week with a guest, and this is a very special guest. He is, first and foremost, a very close friend of mine, a client. He's a business owner. He is an eight-year NFL veteran. I put seven, but we all know I don't do math that well. And (laughs) not a mathematician like Higgins. But I am so excited to welcome Kamar Aiken to the show today. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Anything for Sam? Sam is, is big time for me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How was everybody's weekend? Hey, how's it going, Sam? It's going. All right. Come on. Nice to have you, man. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me as well. Even if he is a knight and not a gator, uh, he did not go to UF PSA. <laughs> yeah, not. I, I mean, it would have been that much more special if he did, but it's still the state of Florida, right? So at, at least yes. you kept it home. You, rep, you stayed in the crib, man. But nice to have you. I had a good weekend. Um, I was out in I was out in Texas, you know, in business recruiting, and um, enjoying some good weather and some good food out there in Houston, Texas. Um, you saw the UCF game, right? I did. I yeah. did. Um, unfortunately, I'm still unable to get that turkey leg hut. It, it's a restaurant in Houston, and the <laughs> line is always long. My face, you gotta I like, tr- what? You got to try it. Like, this, that was my second time there, and I still cannot convince myself to stand in that line. It, it legit looked like it's two miles long. Yeah, I f- there's a vegan restaurant in Atlanta. I'm talking about <laughs> it's called like the yes. slut, slutty, slutty vegan. vegan. Yes, slutty and vegan. people wait for four or five hours outside in all sorts of weather. It's, I don't know, is it is it that good? They say it is. She also has a food truck as well that she does, and they she gets a pretty good crowd of people driving around town following her Instagram for that. So they, they say it's good. They wait in line for it. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, I I was the blob in my spot. I didn't really post about the spot, though. I kind of missed out this weekend, but it's a running joke. I sit in the same spot for, you know, like 36 hours, but I do I do move. But I, little people, people are like, do you like walk? You need to walk. I do walk. But anyways, <laughs> let's get into it. Kamar, talk to our listeners. We have so many different people listening to this show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Um, played eight years, went undrafted out of UCF. Um, came straight out of for, uh, from Orlando, but for me, came out of Miami my rookie year, went to Buffalo. Um, boy, was it cold in Buffalo. <laughs> Coming from Miami mafia. and going straight to Buffalo. But um, I, yeah, like Sam said, I played eight years, um, played with Buffalo, played with New England, Baltimore for the most part, um, Indy, and then I finished up with Philly. 
Um, yeah, so I bounced around. I got to see a lot of great cities, some terrible cities, but um, good food, <laughs> for the most good part, food. I, and good food because I do eat everywhere I do go. So I definitely got some some good spots and, and was able to experience that. So that was the blessing of my career. But um, yeah, I moved around. Um, they put the journeyman tag on my name uh, with the league. But, um, <laughs> but I enjoyed it though. It, it, it gave me a different outlook on, on what's out there. Like they, I went to places that there's no reason why a Florida kid would go to Buffalo. So like me having an opportunity to go to Buffalo and, and experience Buffalo, go to Toronto, experience Toronto, like all that was fun and I enjoyed it. So is I, that, I a, whoa, 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 I'm not letting you get off. Is that where <laughs> you guys want your rookie year? My rookie year, we were in Toronto a lot. How much that was that bill? The Toronto bill? Yeah. Uh, oh, our rookie night. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Rookie night. What was our bill? Uh, I want to say it was over 100K. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> USD or Canadian? No, we had, this is Canadian. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't know, to be honest. I just looked at the bill and seen the numbers. And I was like, <laughs> hey, you yeah. just passed it down the line. That's really, hey, how we splitting this? <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was actually an after party for Drake before Drake became so big and who he is today. But yeah, it, it was it, time of my life. <laughs> Rookie night is never in Buffalo. That's that is still right, not happening this year. But it's usually never in Buffalo. It's always in Toronto. Yes. Well. Hey man, like I know you say they put the label on your name and whatnot, but congrats, man. Obviously, you know, it's the 1% being able to be in there for eight long seasons. It don't matter what they label you, man. You still there, you know, you still knocking down those doors, man. Mm-hmm. man. Yes, yes. Sam and I, Sam and I, we're in the process right now of recruiting guys for you know next year's draft class. And being a professional player like yourself, you know, you were once in the shoes of the guys that you know, we're currently talking to and that we're recruiting. So how, how would you describe your experience when you was going through the process as far as selecting an agent? Um, you know, also, is there anything you would like to tell the young guys who are being recruited, you know, that they should look for or that they should have the conversations that they should be having with agents uh, while they're being recruited? Um, for me, if I could do it all over again, agent wise, um, I actually signed with an agent that was a friend of a teammate of mine's that we, we kind of just had a, a close relationship. So I kind of went with him, but I would tell the younger guys to go with an agent that that's not throwing money at you and saying, Hey, go party, go do this and go work out. But somebody that's in your corner, as far as go work out, go do what you're supposed to do. And I'm going to take care of the business side of it. So when you have an agent that comes in and they're not throwing money at you and they're more concerned, are you working out? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? That's an agent that you, that's in your best interest, not necessarily just trying to give you a check because at the end of the day, you have to pay that check back later on. So I would say pay attention to how the agent is around you. If you're important to, to that, to you, or or where do you fall on, on his, you know, totem pole, basically? Because if he has big cars, then His or her. His or her. Sorry about that, Sam. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is, that is right. His or her. But um, just to see where you fall on his, on his or hers, um, you know, pedestal as far as players are, are you important or are you not important because you're not a first round pick does he treat his first round picks as as the same or her as uh he does his undrafted or her undrafted uh it's okay players? you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> um 
but but just getting that balance and just being able to understand it are they really here for me um and, and my and what i'm trying to accomplish um i i would say pay attention to that more so coming out of college uh, you don't have money so when you get money thrown at you, you kind of grab it and just go with whoever that is that throwing the most money but that's not necessarily the right path for your career Definitely. yeah that's yeah i think we can kind of touch on that it gets frustrating as an agent because obviously as we talked about in episode our last episode we're going to take care of our players i mean by all means you know training is going to be take care of you're going to have a, a stipend food how whatever you need but there be there gets to a point where it it becomes I don't want to say out of control, but somewhat out of control, you know, where it's, well, I have this coming and this coming and this coming and this coming. And, and at the end of the day, I feel like there are agents out there that we're in it for, because we believe in this player, we care about their career. We're going to be there during the ups and downs. You know, if you, if you're undrafted, you know, you get cut, you know, something happens, we're going to stick it out with you until whatever happens next. But you know, it, it, it gets frustrating on us. So I think that's something that it's, it's hard to say. And it's really, it's one of those things when you're talking to 20 agents, you know, that's kind of might be on the back burner to, to a young player. So it's, it's really good to hear you say that. I don't know, Piggins, if you have anything to touch on that. No, I mean, he hit, he hit it right on, on the head, you know, like obviously as agents, as, as, you know, independent agents or agents that are not backed by big agencies, that's one of our hurdles. Right. Because a lot of the guys that we're recruiting, they are being pursued by bigger agencies with more money, with more resources, you know. But, you know, at the same time, like you say, you have to pay that back. And not only do you have to pay it back, it's coming with interest. So if, if you did not take finance or accounting in college, you better ask someone very quickly what interest means. Right. So you're basically paying back more than what you borrowed or what they gave you. Right. But definitely a good answer, man. Yeah. So this is my favorite question. And I love when you answer this, when you, when you talk about this on your, all your interviews. So as a player that was signed undrafted, and obviously you had such a phenomenal career in the NFL, there's a, obviously everyone's in great physical condition, but what was the mental approach that you took? Because as you can look at the numbers, you can look at things that happen, the transactions, a lot of undrafted players, they don't last eight years. So what was your mental approach from starting out year one and then going throughout your eight years in the NFL? Um, it was broken, to be honest. Uh, my first year, it was, you go from being a guy to being undrafted and you come in. Well, for me, I went from being a guy at a college for four years to starting all over like you never played football in their eyes. They're asking you, what do you do well? What do you, <laughs> what do you do? What do you, you know what I mean? So mentally you're like, I've been playing football all these years and I've been doing all this, this stuff well. And now you're asking me, what do I do well? So obviously you don't watch me. So it was mentally for me, it was like, okay, these people don't watch me and now you got to start all over. So it's like you start from ground zero, what you did in college, what you did in high school, it doesn't matter. You start from ground zero, what can you do for me now? Mm -hmm. And I was able to learn that at an early age and an early time in my career It's what, you, what do you do for me now? And when you're undrafted, you can't kind of, you can't come in and, and be a normal person. You got to kind of do something that kind of sticks out. And that's, that's different because they don't, they, they haven't invested in you. So in their mind, like it's free, like show us what you got, show us something that's different. 
and you might have a chance. So for me mentally, I just told myself every day was just get better. Um, for me, I started on pre on peace squad for the first half of the season and before they moved me up. And I took an approach of I'm going against the number one corner and the number two corner every week. Kill them in practice. Because if you're doing this to them, these are guys that are starting and going against some some of the guys that are some elite guys. So if you're doing this in practice over and over and you're doing this, you belong here. And the NFL has a, a great way of making players feel like they don't belong. So if you're able to, to channel that thought and make it make it that you're in your own world and saying, I do belong and I'm going to prove it to everybody that I do belong, mm -hmm. then I, I feel like it works out in your favor. Not, not all the time, but it, it, it sets you up more for success when it, when, when them opportunities do come up. Yeah. I remember, I forget who you were talking to. I think it was an Orlando, one of the media stations. You said, I came in and I felt like they didn't want me because they didn't draft me. So I was going to give them a reason to, to want me or to mm -hmm. keep me. So I think that's a, yep. such a mental approach that I feel like a lot of, I see it all the time, even in practice squad players and undrafted players, you get there and it's such an accomplishment. I mean, I'm not definitely never going to knock anything, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're going to go from 90 this year, it was 80 to 53. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's really tough. You can never be comfortable. And it's as much as it is, on the field it's off the field it's it's every little thing that you do so yeah and i didn't know about peace squad either so to me <laughs> like <laughs> wait what so, of yeah, course you're being i did not know about peace squad i didn't know it existed i did not know no i did not know it existed so when they told me hey you still have an opportunity to be on the peace squad i took it as an insult like what i would rather you just cut me and let me just go home and say i just wasn't good enough but for me, like mentally, it had to make, I had to take a seat back and go, okay, okay, this is not college K no more. This is not the people that came in your living room and recruited you. These are people that, what can you do for me now? What can you do at all? So I had to really channel that and, and, and put that in perspective. And I was just lucky and, and able to do it, to be honest. That's, it's amazing. I mean, eight years is very, I mean, it's, it's almost unheard of to be honest, so. Yeah, man, salute to you. I had a similar mindset when I walked on at Florida, but I never got to play. So mine didn't end like yours. <laughs> I, I showed up, I was like, hey, I showed up, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to kill these first team offensive guys. I'm gonna be scout team player of the year. I'm gonna run out of the tunnel. It just never happened. Wait, so did I, you run out of the tunnel? I'm sure I mean, I ran out of the tunnel, but I didn't get to play, Sam. I, I wanted to play. I wanted to hit someone, you know, and it's it like, yeah, nope, not good enough still. <laughs> yeah. And, and that comes to opportunity, though, to be honest, though, like, because I didn't get as many opportunities, but when I did get them opportunities, um, I made the best of them. And they didn't For try sure. to give it to you a lot, to be honest. And For every sure. year... I played eight years, but every year felt like my rookie year over and over. No matter what success I had that previous year, it was like you're starting all over every yeah. year. Especially moving from so many, you know, bouncing from organization to organization. Yeah. Um, I do remember, and shall we, shall we say this? You had a funny story about when you were with the Bills about mm -hmm. being late for camp, or was, am I wrong? With yeah, Stevie? that was, yeah. Was that my rookie year? Yeah, it was my rookie year. So I was yeah. late. We we are in uh, what is it, Rochester? Yeah, Rochester yeah. At the, at the college. 
So our how they have it set up for camp, the receivers are on a certain wing, right? And they didn't treat me as a rookie, my rookie. Nobody knew I was a rookie. Weird as ever. Like nobody knew I was a rookie that whole year. They but didn't you were treat just me a like random a person? Just... I was, everybody assumed that I was in year two, year three. How I how I approached it, how everything I did. So literally we were there and this is lockout year. So we're in between lockout, no lockout, mm -hmm. lockout, no lockout. Literally by the hour, it's like, okay, the lockout's been lifted. Wow. It's been it's been back on. So we literally, we have a meeting. And it's a meeting to vote, um, but we have like a two hour break. So I take a nap. Take a nap, it's pouring down, storming outside. The best time to take a nap. I don't wake up. Nobody knocks on my door. Nobody wakes me up, says, hey, we got Amy Johnson. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> so I literally wake up. I look, hallway's empty. Everything's empty. I'm like, oh, man, I'm late. So I run. This At this time, I, I don't even think it's pouring down as much as it is. So I get outside. I look. I said, it is really pouring down? Like pouring down, like a hurricane. And where we had, where our meeting was, was on the other side of the campus. So I, it, it was no shelter for me to go under and stay dry. I literally had to shoot across in the open to get there. So I get there, I finally get there, shoes soaking wet, squishy, everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Chan Gailey's in the back. At this time, not, I'm a rookie. I come in undrafted, I'm already pissed. I don't care who the coaches are. I'm just here to just show that I can play. So I get there, Chan Gailey's in the back. To my knowledge, I did not know he was the head coach. <laughs> so I'm back there. <laughs> I'm what? back there. He's like, yes, I did not know he was the head coach. Only person I knew was my receiver coach, and that was it. I never Ooh. looked at their roster. I never did anything. I just said, hey, you went undrafted. I'm pissed right now that I went undrafted. Wherever I go, I'm just going to go in and show them that I can play. So my mindset was not even to look and see who the coaches were or anything like that. So I get there. And they have the assistant coaches up there kind of um, introducing every all the, the whole coaching staff and players of the team. So obviously Chan's the last person to get introduced as the head coach. So I'm back there and I'm, I'm telling him why I'm late. And I was like, I just overslept. Um, in my mind, I'm like, I'm getting released today. I'm undrafted. I'm late to the first team meeting of my career. Wow. This is the, this is the first team meeting of my career. So I'm like, I'm out of here. Before I even go, in, go out there and practice, I'm out of here already. And I'm telling Chan um, why I overslept. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just late, I, it's no excuse. And I'm telling him just like that, like it's no excuse, I'm just, I just overslept. And the next thing I hear is now we're gonna introduce you to our head coach. And he just walks off. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> now prior oh to that whole conversation, I never knew it was him like as the head coach. I think he was like, I thought like he was the assistant coach further <laughs> down the line because he was way in the back. So I was like, okay, he can't be a coach. And when they introduced him, I was like, yeah, I'm gone. I just told him everything. That, that that just happened. So I know I'm out of here. <laughs> the best story. It's the best story. Luckily for me, he went up to the front and said, we can't do nothing about you being late because we're still locked out. So technically. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. So I got lucky. <laughs> can't, can't get fired on your day off, man. I love that story. Oh my well, god, that, that's wonderful, man. Now, um, Sam did mention that you know you played for several organizations, right? So I've always wondered, you know, guys that you know like yourself that has moved on from one team to the next. Is there something that you take from one team, or maybe from a coach, or from another veteran player that you take with you? throughout the remainder of your career, right? Maybe it was a stop early on and someone said something to you like, hey, Rook, make sure you hit the ice tub. You know, something that helps you along the way. 
Um, yeah, I had a couple. Well, every team, I took something from somebody, whether it was football related, off the field. Um, I never was a cold tub guy. I'm a Miami guy. I ain't got <laughs> and I and I had a model. If it was cold outside, it for me to go in the cold tub because I was already outside in the cold. You, you already, you already loose. You already, loose. <laughs> I'm good. You just jump in the snow. Hey. Sam, South Florida guys, man, we don't, hey, I had to put like two towels around my neck, three footies just to get in the cold tub, man. I don't do it. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, for me, uh, Buffalo, I took stuff as far as from the vets that was on that team, I took more of the life lessons, how to, how to carry yourself in the league, what to expect in the league. Um, and this is off the field, on the field. This is party life. This is everything. I was lucky to have vets that were able to tell me things to expect that I was going to run across later on in my career. And then every other team, I I was in New England. I took the work ethic that New England has, how you study, how you just their operation that, that they do. I took that and had that mentality and it kind of carried me throughout every other team. You liked working with TB12? I felt like I was playing for a GM. <laughs> i feel like that is the most honest thing i've heard in a long time it, it is a lot of pressure playing with tv 12 he is by far the best quarterback i've ever played with but it is a lot of pressure playing with him um because it, it doesn't feel like just a, a natural it feels like you're playing with upstairs at the same time yeah did you feel that way well obviously the situation when you played in indy andrew was injured correct uh, yeah, he was, but I talked to Andrew prior to signing. Yeah. So I actually had a conversation with him. Um, that's, that's why I why signed in. wanted to go there, right? Because yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to be healthy. And he he thought he was going to be healthy. But uh, Andrew was a, a little different, to be honest. He was more like, Tom was the first person to introduce himself and talk to me when I came in there. But Andrew would be in the corner a, a little bit, right? And Andrew jokes and, and does a little more. Tom was always business. Yeah, he would he would ask about your family, what's going on and things like that. But for the most part, it was business related mm-hmm. with him and always business. And you kind of felt that that energy from him. With Andrew, it was a more of a, a comfortable feeling like, hey, we're going to go out here and just do this and get the job done. Versus Tom, if you don't get the job done, you're probably going to get replaced. And not him saying that, but that feeling. I mean, Andrew would congratulate the players that sacked him. I don't think I've seen that from anybody else. <laughs> He's a nice guy. Nice guy. Great hit, great hit guy. Great He's a nice, hey, I mean. I Stanford, you know that. So. Yeah, that is true. You you do love Stanford. He's a, hey, when, when, you're, when you have a Stanford degree and you've made $100 million, I'd be nice too. I'd be I nice mean, too. Right. I have a lot of reasons to smile. Right. There's a lot of reasons to smile when you wake up in the morning and you're looking at a Stanford degree and millions of dollars on top of it. Anyways, last question we have for you. So from a player's perspective, what advice can you give to us agents? Because, you know, we try our hardest, but I think that, you know, there are some things that we we just probably don't know that you could tell us. Um, I would say know your players, know what guys know, uh, like know your players as far as know what guys you can be straight up with and tell him, hey, this is your situation. This is what you need to do. This is what you need not to do. Versus I feel like some agents sometimes they kind of, um, they don't get to know their players like that. It's, it's more like, 
hey, I'm signed to you. I'll, I'll let you know when I when I when I get you a job mm-hmm. or, or get you a workout or something like that. So I would say make it more personal, uh, build that relationship as far as uh, making them feel like, hey, they're not going to be here during my career, but it's going to be post careers where and, and they're here for my best interest. Yeah, I always say this. It's mind blowing to me that we can never guarantee, we can't guarantee it. And I know you understand this. We can't guarantee anything because I mean, I cannot call up a team and say, you need to work out Kamar. Don't be like, block you know like excuse me I'm not doing business with Sam Tiger ever again and it's something that I think it's a huge misconception but when the players understand I always put myself I say I'm gonna put myself in your shoes I would want to know now I'm not gonna like everything that you tell me but I can rationalize it and conceptualize it and then I'm going to understand what you're saying and, and understand what's happening Right. Every every guy can't take that though, because you got some players. You tell them, "Hey, upstairs said you need to make a little more plays on this end, um, or you need to do this." And some of them guys might go upstairs and be like, "What you mean? I'm not making these type of plays." I'm right, right. Plays. So you kind of kind of know what guy you're kind of dealing with and know his personality to say, "Okay, I can tell him this," and not expect him to hold it underneath and, and lash out to the team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now that I mean, I think that kind of go hand in hand. Like you said, as far as the agents getting to know the players, and like you said, there are agents out there where it's strictly, "Hey, I'll talk to you when I get you a job." But honestly, I feel like those those agents are like that because that's how the relationship started on in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, I think mm-hmm. the players made it a transactional relationship. You know, what I mean, it's like, right, right. All right, hey, buy me. So now that I've purchased this player, obviously, I've, I, six months later, eight, month, eight months later, you know, I'm not oh, held liable to care about your feelings or to care about your well-being because that's not how we got off. That's not the foot where we started. So it is definitely hand in hand. And, and you mentioned earlier that, you know, players should definitely look for agents that care about them and their well-being. And then I think if you do that as a player, you end up with an agent that shows you that love on the back end. You know what I mean? And if you if you do take that route and say, hey, I'm just going to keep it business and I don't want to build that relationship with the agent, do not get mad when that agent's not hitting you up. And, exactly, and exactly. Calling yep. you and, and telling you this because you already made that, in, in, right. you know, in that impression that this is what you want. So don't get exactly. mad at being done with another player. You're like, oh, he's not treating me like this other player. Well, maybe they built that relationship like that and you didn't mm-hmm. want that relationship in the beginning. So it, 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 at the same time as a player, you got to be real with yourself and, and understand the situation. Higgins, you kind of, I feel like you've gone through that a little. I am, I have actually never experienced that. I mean, I'm sure Kamar- Which part? The, I've never experienced the transactional type of thing because I'm not a transactional type of person. I, <laughs> I'm i just not. Everybody's laughing. I'm just not. <laughs> you're tiger. You're caring. You're loving. You're, you know. I mean, that's but- really nice. That's a very nice way to describe. I wouldn't describe myself that way. I just, it's, you're going <laughs> to get what I have to say on my mind because I'm not going to like sit here and right coded a little bit but i i don't do it too much because what's the point what's the point of of sitting here i hear it all too often and and i get i'm sure you we all do as agents we get 
players that DM us, players that message us. I get LinkedIn. I get, I get all everything. And I, you know, well, my agent says I have a workout in next year. I'm like, <clears throat> you have a LinkedIn. Me. Yes, yeah. I haven't logged in on it in like two months. Now. I was gonna say, can you can you like can you dress mine up for me? I mean, no, make it look okay. good. Yeah, my hourly, I, you want to pay me my hourly? But it's okay. I'm all with. I'm always on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, Tiger. Matter of fact, I don't think you've ever told the listeners how to find you on Instagram or Twitter. Oh, I haven't. But I'll I'll do it at the end. I'll do it at the end. <laughs> all I'm saying is, you can't guarantee something that's not going to be guaranteed. You know, there's Definitely. no guarantee that, well, the Chargers like me, but I'm injured. And my agent says, there's no guarantee that the relationship that your agent has with that team is going to be there in six months. I mean, that's just the reality of it. You might you might have played for a certain team and then they, you know, that it, there's movement. It, it's a business. So you can never guarantee anything unless it's on paper. So I never, I never do that because they say that's, to me, it's just manipulative. And I guess that's a strong word to say, but in my opinion, I feel like that's what it is. Just, I don't know. That's just call it what it is. Yeah. Just call it what it is. I mean, it you happens absolutely all, it happens all the time. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's one of those things where you hear people say all the time, don't hate the player, hate the game, you know? So at the end of the day, I know we're agents. It's a competitive sport. Being an agent is competitive. Right. There's 800 plus agents and there's only about 1600 guys. So you're 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 competing for clients. You're competing for players. Right. So that's some of some agents. That's their way of, you know, making sure that they get a guy is promising them things that they know cannot even take place. Right. You're giving a marketing guarantee. Yeah. You're giving a you're giving a guy that's playing at a D1 double a hundred and fifty thousand dollar marketing guarantee. Really? <laughs> Right. Like, come on. How many guys in the NFL even have that kind of marketing available to them? But here you are telling this guy, you know, hey, man, I can get you 150 marketing deal knowing it's not going to happen. Right. So now that same player, guess what? He's expecting that same promise from every other agent. And when it don't come, you're out of the picture. It's over. You, You immediately eliminate it when you say, no, I cannot guarantee you that. Did you ever have anything like that, Kamar, where not necessarily from your agents, just from people that you've dealt with in the industry that are just selling something that is not guaranteed? Mm, no, because I, I had a You're no too bull. smart for that. Yeah, I had a no bull personality too. Like even even when I came out <laughs> with, with my agent, Shocker. I didn't take anything. I didn't take any money from my agent, but I did tell him, hey, um, you're gonna end up getting paid later on. Um whatever contract you get me or whatever the case may be. So you have to have some type of investment. So I told him, I don't need you to pay for my gas. I don't need you to give me allowance money. I don't need anything, but I'm going to train. Um, maybe I'll do a training week here and then I train on my own. And then a training week here, train on my own. Can I and clone you? you? Right. I was you, just about to say, is there more Kamar Aiken in the world? Right. Hey, where, where high school are you where from? What part of Miami are you from, man? Where high school did you go to? Let, let me go find <laughs> let me go find another Kamar Aiken, man. That, no way. Hey, but it worked for me though. And I, and I had that mindset. I didn't want to pay you back later. I was okay right. with, you, with you getting your percentage when right. you do, but 
show me that investment as far as meeting me right. halfway. I was always a halfway person. Meet me halfway, right. I'll meet you halfway, and then we're all good. And, and, and from me and my agent, it worked. And I mean, and I mean, in your situation, man, just, you know, going undrafted, obviously, you know, the money, you know, you don't have all the money, you know what I mean? Right. So imagine if you did take $50,000 or $100,000 and now your rookie year, you're basically working for yeah. him. And I had a draftable grade. So <laughs> right. for the guys out there that think because you have a draftable grade and you're going to, that's not, that's not how it goes. So do not look at what they're potentially going to give you or what you think you're going to get, because you might not get a little bit of that. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. The draft it's, it's, a, it's wild. I mean, the draft Kamar, I, I spoke to Kamar about 2020 when I was actually with him, like during that time. And it was crazy. It really is. And it's it's only getting crazier. So you just have to make sure at least anybody listening, players, parents, anybody, it, you know, we're not trying to really vouch for ourselves too much, but it's important to find an agent and people, a team around you that actually is in it for the long haul, not the the you know the draft and you know draft and i'll call you a couple times after it yep. because it there's a lot of ups and downs and then that's life in general it's not just mm-hmm. the nfl like your life will happen and you have to have somebody that's going to be with you throughout all of that but really quickly too so <laughs> talking about kamar so if you guys like listening to Gamar. He has his own podcast. He talks yes. Ravens talk and he does a great job breaking down the business aspect of it. Shocker. I know. Yes. But um, it's on believe it's called Ravens flock. And um, are you having fun with that Kamar? We are having fun. Um, we, we lost last week uh, to this Pittsburgh team, but um, <laughs> yeah. it, ha- it has been fun. Um, to be honest, I got two great uh, hosts with me with Gowie, um, Gowie and um, I just lost my train of thought, but both of our uh, hosts are, are great, funny. Um, they bring something different to the table. Um, yeah, so I enjoy it. It's something new for me as well. And then I kind of could give the the business side because a lot of people just see the football side and not know that it is a billion dollar industry. This is a business. This is not football no more. Uh, Kamar also has his nonprofit 501c3, the Kamar Aiken Foundation. When did you start that, Kamar? Like, I'm really interested I, now hearing more about your career. When did you start that? I started that in 2012 in New England when I was in okay. New England. Um, just being around. Event? We had a football camp in Boston. Um, it was a pretty good turnout. Um, wow. uh, had a couple guys come out. Well, a lot of guys come out. Actually, we had a lot of kids come out. And the impression that I got off of those kids, first of all, if you're if you're any type of player on a New England roster, the city loves you. <laughs> I don't care if you're a P squad, the snapper, the kicker. If, you're a patriot. If you're yeah, and that, that's how they look at it. If you're a patriot, you're somebody. So the the turnout we had and the kids and, and just to see the joy in their face, that made me say, okay, let's establish it. Let's continue mm-hmm. it. Let's do this every year and kind of tweak it and, and turn it, you know what I mean? Turn it into something great um, as we go on. So 2012 was, yeah, 2012 was my first year and it was, it was a good time. I had Danny, Danny and uh, Slater. They, they were the two other receivers that, that pretty helped me, helped me with it. And it was a good turnout. Yeah. And look, when now we're in 2020, we are a Still official going. nonprofit. We That's actually, you know, up. we've even, we've been doing stuff during COVID too, which has been, which has been great. 
it's just really been great and we're actually going yes. to be doing a turkey drive in orlando this month i was gonna say next yes. month but we are in november so in november and then your latest business venture opening up the miami grill and bar Everywhere. talk about that for a minute yes um so uh just the business side a lot of people see athletes they they don't think business side i want to go to college for business Mm-hmm. but when you go to college and you're on a scholarship, there's stuff that come along with that. Um, mm-hmm. They say student first, right? Student athlete. Right. That's a, that's mm. a lie. <laughs> <laughs> athlete, student. Okay. Because I couldn't, I couldn't pick the major that I wanted. I couldn't go into business. I couldn't do anything like that. I had to pick whatever fit our football schedule. Mm. So for me, um, I didn't, I didn't go into a, a a major that would benefit me later on. So in my mindset, when I was playing and I was able to learn the business side, I kind of took that and took it to the the post career. So uh, that led me into the franchise world uh, with Miami Grill. I'm a Miami kid. We grew up on Miami subs. I knew about the brand and I knew that the brand survived from when I was a kid to now. And I see, I was able to, to see what they were doing and some of the movements they were doing and, and, and how they were positioning themselves in the franchise world. So I felt like it was a great opportunity. Um, I'm a, I don't look at it as, as um, or how would you say it? I don't, it's more like a partnership. Um, so a lot of people think if you work for, or you open up a franchise that like you're working for somebody, it is a partnership. You help them, they help you. Um, it, it, it's strictly like that, a straight partnership. And it's been every bit of a joy for me um, to, to be able to do something different than football and kind of show people that you're you're capable of more than what people put a ceiling on you to be. Yeah. That's 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 big time, man. That's definitely congrats to you and on all your ventures and you know, with everything you're doing, man, continue to knock down those doors. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of young kids down in Miami that's looking up to you, man. So kudos, shout out, man. Yep, yep, he really is doing it all. Now, when I come through, if I say your name, do I get a free sub or something? You're good. Just let me know when you're going. Ooh, you. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, Apparently, he has made the claim. So anyone from Philly listening, that yes. Miami. I was just about to say that. <laughs> I will I will give you the lead. He has made the claim that Miami Grill and Bar and Miami Grill has the best cheesesteaks better than when he was in Philly. The best Philly cheesesteak that you're going to run across. And I went to the best places in Philly when I was in Philly. Ratting Terminal, that place? I went, the line was, the line was wrapped around the building. Don't tell me about them Philly cheesesteak places in Philly. The, the lines be wrapped around the building. And they, and they weren't bad. I'm not going to say they were bad. Right, right. For it to be a franchise and a fast food spot, that is the best Philly you're going to run across. And they also import everything from that city where it was, it was made from. So they actually get all their Philly cheese, their Phillies from Philly. That's what's up, man. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a go. Tiger, no, I love fast food. <laughs> oh, gosh. Every day he's eating so, fast food. It's gross. So I'm definitely going to check it out. It's good fast food, though. It's um, it's quality fast food. Yeah, so it's, it's not, not like it's your... It's not your fast food, hands, right. but maybe you can make a switch. <laughs> oh, my fast food? Oh, yeah. man. Okay, my fast food. Okay. 
what are you eating today? Wendy's, you know, five for five. I'm like, <laughs> five dollars too much, girl. We going four for four. Oh, four for four. It's you athletes. I, I, Kamar eats fast food too. I know that. I did. I, I don't anymore. So my eating habits changed when I came in the league. That was another thing too. My rookie year, they told me to lose 15 pounds. Oh man. So, yeah. I had to lose 15 <laughs> pounds by the time. Yeah. <laughs> what was your yeah. weight? Right. What did you go in? I was 225 my senior year playing. And then when it was time for the pro day and everything, I dropped down to 213, I believe. Is it like a UCF thing, man? I see you got your boy back there with Brandon Marshall. You know, B Marsh. I got B Marsh. I got Pyramid. I got Bouillet. Oh, I see. Uh, So you guys guys definitely bringing out the big receivers, man. Shout out to UCF, man. Yes, yes. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. The fast food. I I don't know. Higgins is going to catch up with you, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, I checkers or rallies. Some people call it rallies. I call it's it It's so good, though. Ooh, I ate it every day in college. Oh, no. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, before, no. My senior year before the conference championship game, the night before, I had somebody bring me a, a, a big right. beef fruit. Hey, now you're gonna have every college receiver going to checkers <laughs> before their game. Hey, coach, like, hey, son, what you <laughs> ate last? Kamar said he had checkers, checkers. and he balled out, so I'm gonna have checkers. <laughs> checkers is it, big Buford, <laughs> big Buford, man, I'm, extra cheese. What is it with you guys in the fast food? I'm like mind blown by it. If the workers from the checkers on Alafaya in Orlando remember me, I used to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you are listening. Yeah. If, Shout if out. You are listening. Shout thank out. you. I used to ask them to, you know, uh, checkers, they're pretty stingy with their fries. They give you the little bag. And mm-hmm. then you t- right, I used, right. I used to tell them, extra hey. fries. I like, stop playing with that, me. Take that scoop. <laughs> Don't forget about the little bag. Just take that scoop and just throw it in the big bag all together, it's, just oh. like that. <laughs> it's like going to Chipotle, man. They, they, they had like the rice running out, rice, man. Exactly. <laughs> Stop playing. Stop playing with me. <laughs> so they definitely look out. So shout out to y'all. Y'all made me have a great career my senior year because I ate yeah. there probably every after every <laughs> for every home game. I definitely got something from there. Kamar Aiken, eight-year <laughs> NFL vet. Built by checkers. Built by checkers. We're giving them a free. I'm gonna tag checkers in this podcast. Well, anyways, this has been so great, and Kamar, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, I'm on Kamar's journey, and you know, we are excited. We're gonna be opening the restaurant in January, right? January, yep. You know, there's a lot of opportunities in Orlando and there's a lot more to come from Kamar and I assume we're definitely would hope to have him on the podcast again but what last we always like to close it out what are we looking forward to this weekend the wait correct me if I'm wrong the Mac is back is it Mac action Wednesday night baby Buffalo the Mac is back yeah this is like agent talk here because yeah yeah. Oh, the yeah. Met Conference. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he's the, like the McDonald's. Mid- no, he's like, he's like McDonald's is back. No. All right. So the, the Mid-Atlantic Conference, right? So um, Ohio, UB, yeah. all of those. Akron, right? So all yeah. of those schools in the Midwest area. I think the Pac-12 is back this weekend yes, as well. Yes, the Pac-12 is right? back So a couple, couple good games there in the Pac-12. 
Um, I know Oregon has a big game, USC, a couple of those schools, man. So excited. Anytime we get more football, I'm happy. Oh, she bringing out the Stanford helmet. Yeah. How does that how does that work for the playoffs though? I don't know anything about that. So maybe you guys. We, I mean, we're all just rolling with the punches here. Yeah. The, the yeah. rankings are a little bit crazy, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, because I think they only have like six games. Yeah. So is it is it possible for USC to come in and win six games and jump into the top five? I mean, it'd be hard, but it's possible. I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, so. it's 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 done by voting. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's strictly a voting process now that they switched over so to pretty much. CFP. Yeah. yeah, it's it's done by the committee. So, I mean, I guess, as a, I mean, in my opinion, personally, I think it, it will favor this year by having a committee so you can sit and look and say, okay, you know, let's look at this team, let's look at this conference and then kind of go from there versus straight, you know, numbers, you know. Right, right. The, having the actual access. people looking at it and you know, having their discussions that they do have. So I don't know. It's, it's been interesting. I'm excited. It's more football, the better, at least for us, you know, it's, it's more time for me to sit in my, my chair and be a blob, but I, I'm not going to, it's my mom's birthday this Saturday. So I'll hey, be- happy birthday, moms. Yeah, happy birthday. We're going to be venturing out yeah, a little bit and then I will be, you know, doing my thing, recording games. I, I was, we always talk, do you record games tomorrow? The Ravens now because of the podcast. So I kind of record them just to study them a little more. Hey, that's what's up. Let me go back on that too. So it's Jack Settlement as our host, is Gowie the Kid as well. Cause I don't I hate to mess up names, but I do go blank sometimes. This is this is some concussions that I dealt with. <laughs> no, it's- yes. So sometimes I do like mid conversation, I'll lose a train of thought. And that's a little bit of the sacrifice that you got to do with this sport, um, to be honest. But it is Jack Settlement as our host and Gowie the Kid and me as the co-host. And they're great two show. great guys. It's a really great show. Take a listen. And the, the, the thing I like about it the most, Kamar, is I always listen to it bef- like on Sunday before I'm going to watch because you give such a great insight on the business of football. So how many Peace Squad guys they're allowed now? <clears throat> Ooh, I think it's what, 16, 18? Should I roll on over? Yeah. It's, if, I can, it's, if, if I can tell you how many guys would probably still be playing in the lead if we had 16 slots. Right, I mean, look at the guys. <laughs> I mean, there's Brian's on a practice squad right now, That's right? Crazy. I mean, so you get a lot of those veteran guys. You know, they're accepting practice squad roles, man, and hopefully, you know, can get so activated. It's Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, look at what happened with the Bills where they had their whole tight end. I don't know if you saw this. It was – not this past weekend, the weekend before when they played the Jets. Their whole, the one tight end tested positive. So they had to put all of the others in the COVID, you know, quarantine protocol. Mm-hmm. There was one player that I believe his wife was in labor on that Friday. So he was not in that meeting or he mm-hmm. wasn't around, I guess you could say. So he was not placed in there. But I mean, it can wipe out. And I said this from the start. It can wipe out. It's going to wipe out your line. It's going to wipe out your quarterback. It, it can, potentially. So we're dealing with a different monster here. I would say if Baltimore, if, if they're listening, <laughs> if, if the receivers all get COVID, call me. Like how y'all did Josh McGowan. He's back home. <laughs> he's back home. Right. He got a sweet deal, man. He still get to live in Texas and be on P-Squad. <laughs> Man, best, deal. best deal, <laughs> best deal. 
that's funny that's funny but anyways kamar this has been so great and we're so thankful to have you on if you guys here we go my social media so if you guys want to follow us you can follow us on twitter you can follow us on instagram my instagram is sam tiger agent sam tiger management on twitter higgins is yeah, I uh, my, my my Twitter and my Instagram is not the same. So on Instagram, you can follow me at Higgins Success. And then on Twitter, you can follow me at the underscore Megazo, D-A underscore Megazo. All right. Uh, Kamar, again, man, thank you for joining us. We had a great time. Really appreciate it. Good luck with everything that you're doing. Uh, shout out to NFL Draft Diamonds. Everyone, if you have not already done so, subscribe tune in every friday morning join us on your favorite podcast platforms believe podcast apple podcast spotify and as always help me help you show me the money listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube